working our way through Hebrews these past weeks, or Hebrews chapter 11. And this morning, um, we're continuing to look at Abraham. We've been looking at Abraham the past few weeks. And we're verse 17 to 19 this morning. Let's read those verses together. Hebrews 11, verses 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Let's pause there and pray and ask for God's help. Our God, as we come to your word, we ask that your spirit would work in power and draw us to Jesus Christ again, the only name um, by which men may be saved. Father, help us again to grasp the true worth and greatness of Christ. Um, Father, please work from within us today, even to shape us into his likeness. And as we catch hold of who he is, may we respond appropriately to your word, we pray in his name. Amen. I want to begin this morning with what's really quite a direct question. What are you sacrificing for God. What are you sacrificing for God? This week we see that Abraham was willing to make an extreme sacrifice at immense personal cost. This is now the fourth by faith of Abraham. We considered the first three two weeks ago in verses 8 to 12. Last week there was that focus on the heavenly country for God's people. And we returned to think specifically about another incident in the life of Abraham. Just look at verse 17 again. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be, be named. Now of all the tests of faith that we could turn to in Scripture... This one really stands out, doesn't it? 
We could think, for example, of God's people leaving Egypt. They were at the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army behind them and the sea in front of them. And the test of faith is there. Would they trust God? Would they have faith to believe that God would deliver them? And of course, we know God did deliver them. A similar story as God's people stood at the banks of the the Jordan to cross into the promised land. And we're inspired as we read these accounts of God accomplishing amazing things for his people. And we think, yes, I want to do that. I want to have faith in this God. We turn to Genesis 22 for a moment to get a better understanding of Abraham's test of faith. So turn to Genesis 22 and we'll read just from the first verse there. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now there's a test of faith. Trust God to, to move back the waters and see his mighty acts. Yes, trust God to sacrifice your son. Abraham was given a test by God, and so he had a decision to make. Would he by faith obey God, or would he follow human logic? My child's sacrifice seems very strange to our ears. However, it wouldn't have been altogether strange to Abraham. He would have been familiar with the practice from the the pagans that he lived among in Canaan. They would have sacrificed children to the gods. And in fact, to sacrifice your firstborn was seen as the apex of worship. There was no greater act of worship. I don't know, perhaps Abraham thought that God was perhaps requesting something similar to this. But then he remembers who this son Isaac is. In Hebrews eleven seventeen, we see Isaac was, was God's promise. The one whom Abraham's offspring would come. And when we think of that, then all human logic says this can't be right. No, Abraham, he he can't have heard correctly. But despite all the logic, Abraham chose the way of faith. We see in Genesis 22 verse 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning, he saddled his donkey, And took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Abraham made a decision that would radically change forever his life, Isaac's life, and his wife Sarah's life. 
Now, Abraham had three days to travel. He had three days to think about what he was going to do. He had a three days opportunity to turn back. He had three days to reason with himself that this couldn't possibly be the right thing to do. But he continued by faith, not knowing exactly where this would take place or how this might all work out. And on the third day, then Abraham saw the place where this was to take place and so he took the next step. He took the wood and laid it on Isaac, which would be used to sacrifice his son. Abraham took the fire and the knife to kill his son. And Isaac asked his father, he said, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Well, Abraham replied, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so off they went to the place that God had told them. Abraham built the altar. He led the wood. He bound his son and led him on the altar. And Abraham took the knife to slaughter his son. But an angel of the Lord stopped him from going any further. And they saw a ram and sacrificed the ram then in place of Isaac. The whole scene is just unbelievable. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son while all the time holding to God's promise that he would still have as many descendants as the stars through Isaac. We read in Hebrews eleven nineteen that he considered that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead, from which figuratively he, he did receive him back. Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, trusting that God's word would still come to pass. He, he seemed to reason... That God has made me a promise, so, I mean, that is sure. So if God is asking me to sacrifice Isaac, well then God is able and will bring him back to life again. And I mean, as Abraham said to Isaac, he was confident that God would provide what was required for his promise to be fulfilled. So there we see, by faith, Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his son to God. But actually, I believe this is here primarily to help us see what God was prepared to sacrifice for us. Hopefully, through this father-son story, you, you can see clearly the gospel. You can see clearly the extravagant love of God for his people. The gospel of John tells us that, that God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus Christ, God's son, submitted himself to the Father's will. He carried the cross. And God the Father took the knife, as it were, but with no substitute, because Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, was the substitute for sinners. God had provided for himself the perfect offering. And God did not spare his own son, but brought his judgment and punishment on Christ on the cross, suffering and bleeding and dying in place of sinners. Isaiah 53 builds this picture picture of Christ as our suffering substitute. Many of you will know the words well. Surely he, that is Christ, has borne our griefs. He, Christ, was pierced for our transgressions. He, Christ, was crushed for our iniquities. Yet, we read, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Why? Well, Isaiah tells us so that we could receive eternal, whole, complete peace and healing. Do you know, we mentioned earlier that it was in fact common among pagans of the day to sacrifice children to the gods. And yet here we see the God of all not requiring sacrifice, but sacrificing himself in Christ for his people. Who is like our God? What God would demonstrate such extravagant love and grace? But our God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Surely this is a God you can put your faith in. Surely this is a God you can trust. If you are here today and you have never put your trust or faith in Christ, look today to the extravagant love and grace of God, sending Christ to die in your place so you could have peace with God, so you could know sins forgiven and the joy of God's blessing forever. And for those of us already trusting in Christ today, I want just now to help us think how Abraham's faith might apply to us today. The first thing is this, um, sacrifice by faith. Sacrifice by faith. We read in Mark 8 that Jesus called the crowd to him with his disciples and said to them, If anyone would come after me, um, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. One teacher says, if you know nothing of sacrifice, you know nothing of faith. And so I come back to our opening question. What are you sacrificing for God? But what may God be calling you to sacrifice now in these days? Perhaps in the home, uh, those of you who are married, you have committed yourself to a life of sacrifice for that other person. What are the sacrifices you need to make now for the good of the other, for the pleasure of the other? Perhaps in your workplace you're, you're called to sacrifice pride or reputation or, or free time at lunch or even promotion that you may have a steady witness to a work colleague. Perhaps you're being called away from work to study or to devote more time to direct evangelism. Perhaps it's a radical change of life for you and all your family. And you know, often, yes, we're, we're called like Abraham and, and we don't know how it's all going to work out, just like Abraham didn't. I know from, from my own experience of, of going to Bible college, um, I went to Bible college convinced that I needed to get training uh, and that I needed to be in some kind of full-time ministry. But I I really didn't know what that would be. Em and I talked and talked and talked. We looked at every possible avenue. Well, Actually, I think we looked at every avenue but being a Baptist pastor. And (laughs) here we are. But we really didn't know, had no idea what that would look like. But we take steps of faith, don't we? We make sacrifices, trusting in God's good purposes. I wonder as a fellowship, what about us together as a fellowship? What steps of sacrifice are we taking? Do I have been so encouraged the past a um, couple of weeks by those who've joined us for community outreach on Thursday evenings. Um, some of you, it was the first time to be involved in this and it felt like a big step. Others just making plans at, at home for children and so forth so you could be out. And over the past years too, I, I've been encouraged by those of you who have sacrificed to come here, to get on board, to work hard. That Christ might be proclaimed here and believed in. Thank you for the sacrifices you have made. And may we continue together to sacrifice that Christ may be known. We sacrifice by faith in God's word and promise. That he who did not spare his own son but 
gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, Abraham was willing to sacrifice, assured that God would be true to his word. We sacrifice today, assured that God will be true to his word. That he will bring full and complete salvation. He will bring us to that heavenly country with eternal joy. And if we ever doubt that, we look again and again to the cross. We see that God gave his only son for us and we know for sure that we can trust him. And do many sacrifices we make for the gospel, they don't follow human logic. So today, will you choose the way of faith? So we sacrifice by faith. Secondly, I want to think for a moment and, and speak to those of us who are parents. We want to parent by faith. As we have considered Abraham's willingness to sacrifice, we've, we, we've watched a father-son relationship. Now, of course, everything within Abraham did not want to sacrifice his son. But he knew that obedience to God was right and would be best both for him and his family. And I've been wondering, when Abraham bound Isaac, was Isaac willing for this? Or, or did Abraham somehow have, have to wrestle him or, or pin him down to, to be able to bind him and tie him? I, I don't know. And either way is speculation. But we also don't know what, what that conversation was on the, on the three-day journey. And I wonder, is it possible that as Isaac realized what his father was prepared to do in obedience to God, also assured of his father's love, knowing that his father would never hurt him unnecessarily, that he, Isaac himself, became assured of his father's faith and was actually willingly bound because he came to realize through his father that obedience to God was more important than anything else. Now, we do not know for sure. But even if Isaac was unwilling, surely he saw in his father a faith that was real and an obedience that was uncompromising. Surely he saw in his father that to follow God and his ways was more important than anything else. And isn't that the most important thing about raising children? Isn't that what it means to parent by faith, that we put God and his ways before anything else? Do you ever think what's, what we want our, our children to say of us in, in years to come? 
Perhaps if they, they ever get married and, and make a wedding speech or perhaps when, when we are gone. Do we want them to say that as parents we were so supportive at school we always pushed them to achieve their best? Perhaps they might say, oh, my dad was my biggest fan. He was at every game. He was at every concert. They might say, dad was so much fun. He was always so easy to talk to and so on and so forth. They might say, oh, dad, dad loved this, that, and the other thing. Listen, these are good things. These are things I strive to do for my children. But above all that, and even in the midst of all our mistakes and sins and failures, surely what we want our children to see and remember is our faith in God. Surely what we want our children to say is that dad, mum would have sacrificed anything for the sake of God and the gospel. Oh, Dad, he was always striving to be obedient to God. And do you know when he sinned, it really grieved him. And even though my, my mum or dad, they, they did strange things, they made decisions sometimes that I never really understood, I can't deny that they had a real faith in a real God. And I just have to believe the extravagant love and grace of God that they spoke about. All I want to do with my life is to follow my parents' faith. The Gettys have a song, it's called A Mother's Prayer. And I think it sums up well our role in parenting. And it begins by kind of saying to your child, you know, take my hand and, and I'll teach you the way to go through the joys, through the tears, through the journey of these years. So as children grow watching you, you you take them, you show them what it is to live by faith. But the goal then is that they're, they're able to stand on their own two feet, not holding on to your hand, but holding on to God's. And so the song finishes, it says, you'll, you'll travel, children, you'll travel where my arms won't reach, as the road will lie, rise and lead your feet on a journey of your own. May my mistakes not hinder you, but his grace remain and guide you through. This is my prayer for you. Take his hand. Go where he calls you. And whatever comes, seek him with all your heart. This will be my prayer for you. We sacrifice by faith. Parent by faith. And finally, um, this morning we suffer by faith. Do you know, many people... Um, of course, we'll question and wonder why does God allow suffering? I, I was asked that very question um, on the doors just two Thursdays ago. And I think, I suppose, pe- people are, are, are wondering, you know, c- 
can I believe in a God that allows suffering? Of course, this isn't a question to be answered in in a moment or two. But as we think of that and and why God allows people to suffer, I think there's often a, a better question that we feel to ask. And that is why would God himself come and suffer? And of course, as we've seen, the answer is because he loved us. Because he loved us, he suffered so we could be free from suffering. So ponder that. Why would the holy creator of all die for creatures who rebel and reject him over and over again? You see, for me, it's no great mystery that there is suffering in this world. But surely the greatest mystery is that God himself would come in Christ to suffer and die to free us from all suffering. Now, Hebrews eleven eighteen really draws us to focus on resurrection. By faith, Abraham believed that even if he was to sacrifice Isaac, God was able to raise him up. We face suffering here and now in all its varied forms by faith that we will be raised to life with new suffering. We persevere now with weak, perishable, temporary bodies susceptible to all kinds of horrible suffering. We persevere by faith that we will be raised with new, powerful, imperishable, eternal, glorious bodies that will never suffer again. And we can even die by faith in God's word through the prophet Isaiah. Listen to what Isaiah says, what God will do in salvation. He will swallow up the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. That is, he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said on that day by God's people, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And how these Jewish believers needed the hope of resurrection to endure suffering and to remain steady in faith. And of course the same is no less true for us today. 
And so in light of Christ's victory over death, I finish with this, what Paul says to the church in Corinth after quoting those verses from Isaiah 25. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let us pray. Our God, we we come to you again. We are blown away by your great love in Jesus Christ. Love that surpasses all other loves. An ocean full of blessing in the midst of every test and trial. God, we thank you that in Christ you will bring us home to glory where your love will never end. Help us this morning, O God, to to grasp something of the depth and, and the breadth of your love for us in Christ. And may we be changed by that. As we grasp your love, as we see Christ again on the cross taking our place, may we have complete and wholehearted trust in you that leads us to sacrifice for you here and now, assured of our future. Father, as we strive to parent our children at home, as we strive to teach children that you bring to us here in Sunday school and jam, may we show them above all else faith in God that is real and genuine and sincere, faith in God that is worth everything. And Father, for those of us here who continue to suffer in a number of varied ways, particularly for those who are suffering in more significant ways, may they continue to endure, to remain steady by faith in your word and promise that we will be raised to new life with new suffering. Life to never die again. And life basking in your great eternal love and joy and peace. Father, change us by your word, we pray. In Christ's name. Amen.